<clears throat> well, praise the Lord. It challenges me, amen. It really, really does. And <clears throat> God's good to us, and I'm thankful for that tonight. Uh, let's go ahead and grab our Bibles. Let's go to Ephesians chapter number 2. Ephesians chapter number 2 is where we're going to be. And, and just the thought here tonight, you know, I, I think about the Lord Jesus Christ. I think about the fact that uh, just like the song just uh, ministered to us, the words of that song, I'd rather have Jesus than anything. Uh, it's more important than men's praise. It's more important than things and stuff. Um, we ought to want to have him. I preached last week on the, on the subject of just the power of God in our lives. Amen. We ought to desire deeply every moment to be in tune with him, to know that, uh, that uh, we're close to him, that he's listening. Um, he's listening. He'll, he's always willing to listen. Amen. But the Bible tells us that our sins separate us between us and him. Um, once you're saved, you can't lose your salvation, but you can certainly break fellowship um, with him. Um, and if you don't think that's true, go over and read the book of 1 John, amen? We'll find that out, and obviously all throughout the scriptures. Um, <clears throat> but really, this message tonight, um, in a way, in a sense, kind of goes right along with that. I ne didn't necessarily intend for that, but, uh, um, but uh, you know, just knowing that, uh, um, you know, he holds tomorrow, doesn't he? He really does. He knows what is... He knows what's going to happen in the next few minutes. Hey, for all we know, we ain't going to make it through this church service. That trumpet could sound and we'd be out of here. I'd be okay with that. I don't know about you. Um, I'll, you know, I don't need to really know what, what happened at the Super Bowl tonight. Amen. Eh? If he wants to go ahead and take me on out of here, I'll just, I'll just not know that one there. Amen. But uh, <clears throat> um, there's, there's more important things. Now, listen, I enjoy, I enjoy football. I'll probably check it out you know, a little later. Um, but I like being in the house of God, amen? And I, like, I love being around the Word of God. And uh, I want to please the Lord. And <clears throat> He holds tomorrow. He's worthy of our devotion and our praise, amen? And so often, though, we allow either our exalted perspective of self, our pride, or, or we allow our fear to get our attention off of Him, don't we? And we can get so easily and so quickly distracted. We can get sidetracked so quickly because we can get fixated upon something um, that really in the broad scheme of it all, um, you know, doesn't make a difference really for eternity. I don't know about here. I don't know about any other church. This is just a statement across the board. Unfortunately, on a night like tonight, there's a lot of people out there that are more fixated on the Super Bowl than they are on Jesus. And they're more fixated on what's going to take place when a piece of leather is slung across the football field and a bunch of people are going to hit each other really hard and, and uh, not be able to think straight by the time they're 50. Um, and uh, they would choose something over Jesus. Now, like I said, I don't know. I mean, that's just, that's a, you know. And by the way, before we get too judgmental, if there is anybody we know that's doing that tonight, um, we do it in our own ways too. We do. And, you know, we just got to be honest. The Bible says God wants us to have truth on the inward parts. He wants us to be honest and truthful about things. Um, so I believe that we all need to be challenged on these things. Let's look down here at Ephesians chapter number 2 together. And I'm going to read this text 1 through 8, a very common text. 
in the scriptures, um, but I trust that the Lord will use it to be a blessing to us. We're going to do kind of one of those mountain talk, uh, top peak type studies here. I got all kinds of stuff here um, on a study that I have together here, um, but we're just going to kind of clip the tops here tonight and just kind of look at the highlights of it um, instead of getting way down into the, into the valleys here too much on on, on different things. But uh, let's look here at verse number one, Ephesians chapter two, excuse me. <coughs> And the Bible says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. This is speaking of a person before they get saved. They are children of the devil. They serve the prince and the power of the air. Um, they are only able to fulfill the lust of the flesh. They are not able um, to, to produce fruit um, through the Spirit of God. They are not alive and living according to what Christ did at Calvary in the resurrection of the dead. They are still dead in their trespasses and sins and therefore children of wrath. Let's keep something in mind. That is our choice. Uh, God did not create man that way in the first place. Man rebelled. And even though we are born with a sin nature and we sin and we are fallen, uh, Jesus in, has come and done Everything that's necessary for us to be restored unto God. There is nobody that dies and goes to hell that does not make the decision to do that. You say, well, what about people um, that never even heard the name of Jesus? Well, yeah, but the Bible tells us that by just the knowledge of nature itself in the book of Romans, that therefore that one thing right there teaches us there's a creator. It's really that simple, even though there's a lot of really educated people in the world that won't tell you it's that simple. It's really that simple. If you have a creation, you have a creator. Nature itself is, the law of nature itself is enough to hold man accountable. And I remember I asked a teacher years ago, I was young, maybe even an older teen. I asked a Sunday school teacher one time, I said, but will God really send someone to hell that's never heard the name of Jesus? Like you think of people all over the world in jungles and, and, and places all over the world. And I said, I said, how could somebody that you know, would ever say, you know, I want to know truth or I, because I, they, they all worship something, right? It's natural with them. They end up worshiping the mountain. They worship the stars. They worship something. And I, and I said, you know, there's something down inside of them that, that knows that there's God, there's truth and they know that there's a creator. And if they're genuinely, genuinely wanting to know, you know, a creator, um, but they never have anybody come by and tell them, you know, about the Lord Jesus Christ. Why does God hold them accountable? Why do they have to go to hell? And his answer took me off guard because it was a really great answer and it really wasn't something I had thought about. He says, well, here's what I believe. He said, there ain't nobody that ever looks to the skies and says, God, I want to know who you are, that God doesn't send someone their way. Amen? And, and, and he says, and, and, and the only way somebody ever, when that moment comes, they either are going to accept the light or they're going to reject the light. And instead of allowing God or that creator to reveal himself unto them, they choose to turn to four-footed beasts and creeping things on the earth. The Bible talks about that they'll worship. Uh, they'll carve something out of wood and bow down to it five minutes later. Um, and man then therefore rejects the natural light and knowledge of God in their hearts and turns immediately to something that they can create and that they can control. 
And that's what really the theme of what Romans chapter number one teaches us. But anyways, God in verse number four, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he hath loved, or wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Now, I just read through verse 7, uh, you know, like as if we're just reading the Bible and going through it. But there's a whole lot going on there in verse 7. Amen? And we're going to look at that here for just a few minutes tonight. And, of course, verse number 8 and 9 we know is, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves... It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation is of the Lord, the Bible says. This is his work. It's marvelous in our eyes. And I am sure grateful for the salvation that Christ provided for us um, and the eternal home that we have with him. We're already seated in the heavenlies, the Bible says, at the right hand of the Father in Christ Jesus because of the spirit that's in you is the same spirit in him. Amen. It's the Holy Spirit of God and you are represented literally in Christ by way of the Holy Spirit of God literally at the right hand of the Father right now. That is your standing as one of his and that is something to rejoice over. Amen. But look at verse number seven and eight. It says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. What a beautiful verse. Isn't that, it's just, it's just beautiful sounding, isn't it? And it makes me really excited about heaven one day. <laughs> Amen. The Bible tells us in that verse that in the ages to come, he's going to blow our mind. I can't even, I, you know, in our finite minds and our abilities as man, we can't even begin to wrap our minds around the eternal in so many ways. We understand what the Bible teaches us and the rest we just accept by faith and, and we go forward trusting that God has it all under control. Amen. But that verse right there tells me that in the ages to come, all throughout eternity, he's going he's gonna to show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Now, this is where this, this is going. I, I hit all the other stuff just because I felt led to, and, and I'll say it. Um, and by the way, I like to rejoice in my salvation. Amen. I like to read. I like talking about it. I love talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I just, I just enjoy it. I love what Jesus has done for all of us, and I love that it's available to any and all. Amen. But in this verse... I'm reminded very, very quickly, and like I said, almost in a sense in the way that that song, I'd rather have Jesus than anything, um, you know, and just understanding and realizing who holds tomorrow, who has perfect understanding and wisdom, who really knows what's going on. This verse here tells us that not only does he understand our life here and now, and he understands what we're going to face tomorrow and the next days and next days after that, but he's got an entire eternity of thought for us. And that, that excites me, okay? I get really excited about that. Um, I do very, very much. <clears throat> but I'm really challenged when I read these verses to also remember that I have a duty before God to not worry. And we're going to get into that here just for a few minutes tonight. I want to preach the next couple of minutes on this thought. Quit worrying about what you can't know about. Quit worrying about what you can't know about. And uh, it gets deeper than just that. When we'd all say amen to that, right? We shouldn't worry about what we can't know about, amen? But I'm going to tell you something. There's been many, many Christians all throughout millenniums of, uh, millenniums of time that have gotten ship, went shipwrecked, gotten sidetracked because they got bitter and upset about something that they couldn't understand. 
And it, not that I, God can, has a way of revealing things and God can talk to us about stuff. And sometimes he does show us things that he's doing. Um, but a lot of times, folks, God never will show us on this side of heaven the whys and how comes of things. And then we're going to get to heaven one day and he's going to show us the exceeding riches. We've got to accept that by faith. Amen. Our job now is to submit and obey. And so and that's hard sometimes, isn't it? <clears throat> um, but but, but we've got to be reminded that we, ought to have, we want to have Jesus over anything. Amen. And his blessing and his smile. So quit worrying about what you can't know about. <clears throat> and uh, we'll jump into that here in just a moment. Father, I sure love you tonight. Lord, I'm thankful to be able to preach the Bible tonight. But Lord, you know what my needs are. I pray, Lord, that you give me grace and strength for this task. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Uh, Lord, give me clarity of thought uh, for this time. And, and Lord, we'll, we'll just give you all the glory for it. Lord, I pray that you speak to each and every heart in here. Lord, walk up and down the aisles. And Lord, help us all just see whatever it is that you have for us to see individually here tonight. But Lord, something, maybe, maybe somebody in here has already received, Lord, the, the bulk of what you have for them just through song. Um, but Lord, uh, we, are, we are gathered around the scriptures now, and I pray, Father, that we'd give our attention and heart to it. Because just like you give thought for our life, you've given thought for this moment. And so, Father, we trust you with it. We know that you want to change our hearts and lives here today. Be encouraged, to be corrected, Lord, to be um, just helped. And so, Father, I pray, God, that you would just bless us now over these next few moments. And we'll thank you for it, Lord. We love you. And we do ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so when I read that verse number seven there, <clears throat> it tells us that in the ages to come, he's going to show us his exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. You know, he's all, we already see his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. It is shared with us in that text that he came, he died for us, we're, we're born again, we're already reserved in heaven, we already have a place in heaven, we're already seated. So we already understand that we can see the result of Calvary, we can see what it meant to us, and we can receive that, accept that, we can walk with God and fellowship with him and pray and, and see the results of that on a daily basis basis in our lives as we fellowship with him and walk with him so we understand that but simultaneously what this verse is also saying is is there's going to be things about all this that he is not going to show us right now do we see that it didn't say that you know by eight o'clock tonight or by 10 o'clock tomorrow morning he's going to show us all that there is to know about this thing called our salvation and what it means to have him and know him. no 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 it's this is looking even beyond our time here and he says that in the ages to come He's going to show us the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us um, through Christ Jesus and all that he has for us. So that tells me right there that I need to understand and realize there's things that I'm not going to know about it here. And we're talking about, you know, that we think about things that happen by way of trials in our lives and things that happen by way of difficulties. And we oftentimes say, you know, I don't understand it, but I'm going to do my best to trust the Lord. Amen. Um, but on the other hand, this is talking about the blessings of salvation and his goodness toward us. Um, he's going to curl up with us for all eternity. And that is a blessed thought, amen? But I think so oftentimes we can get so caught up in trying to understand things that I don't believe God intends for us to either, number one, never know, or number two, not know right now. We can get way too caught up in it. I think it's pretty clear in our text that there are things that we're going to be learning about even throughout eternity, let alone here and now. So let's just look at a few different things and we're going to go to the house here in just a few minutes. But quit worrying about what you can't know about because let me say number one. Quit worrying about what you can't know about because number one, 
it's a command not to worry about it. I, boy, I think I fail in this a lot of times. I, I think as God's people, then, we can, if we really all wanted to admit it and be honest about it with ourselves before God, we would admit that uh, we fail oftentimes to, to try to see these things in the light that God puts them in the scriptures. Do we realize and understand worry and fear and anxiety? Um, and, and I want to I separate out any type of medical reasons behind that. You understand what I'm saying? I'm talking about us thinking that we got to worry about everything and allowing that to put us in a position of, of fear and anxiety and, oh, I don't know if this is too big for God type, type thing. You understand what I'm saying? <clears throat> but we don't, do we really understand and realize that um, this issue of worrying and worrying about things and worrying about stuff and, and like I said, some things that we can't even know about it's not just unfortunate because it's going to ruin your day. You know, it's not just unfortunate because, you know, you may not be able to be a help to someone that needs your help. It's sin. It's sinful. God sees it as sin. And we see, and you don't have to turn over there for sake of time, but Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6, I'm sure many of us can quote this text in the Bible, um, <clears throat> but a very, very common verse, but a very important one. The Bible says, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And I always like to stop and always make sure to say when I read that, the Bible said, with thanksgiving, let your request, not your demands. Um, we are to be in submission and humility before God. Amen? But it says in that text that, that we're to be careful for nothing. Of course, that doesn't mean, you know, you know, put a blindfold on every time you go up and down the steps because if you don't, you're in sin because you're being careful. That's not the idea. We all understand. <coughs> but instead, rather, to be full of care, be, being full of care. The Bible says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Amen. Um, and we're to be people of prayer. We're to be people of faith. We're to be people with a thankful heart in all things, knowing and understanding that God's in control, that he has a perfect plan and purpose for everything. And so, therefore, for that reason, we're going to have a calmness and a moderation to us. We're not going to be on the ditch on either side of the road. We're not going to be too up. We're not going to be too down. We're going to be, we're going to be even-keeled and calm the best that we can be in the power of the Lord in our lives, understanding and realizing that God's in control, and we're not going to let ourselves become full of care. You say, why? Because it's sin if we do. I fail too much not thinking of it like that. You know how often I worry? I'll, I'll sit there and worry about stuff. You ever, you, ever, you ever just wake up, or not really wake up? Well, some people do. I, I had somebody just tell me the other day, I woke up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, I couldn't fall back to sleep. I don't know that it was because they were overthinking something, they just couldn't fall back to sleep. That's not my problem. My problem is shutting off. Once I shut off, I usually, I'm usually out, you know. Um, it's getting this thing to stop. That's, that's where I have trouble. Um, I don't always, I, you know how many times I'm laying there at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and I ain't slept. And I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking about that, and now I'm getting frustrated about this, and I'm getting worried about that, and how am I going to take care of this? And, you know, and i got to really stop myself and really remember, you know what, God, all this turning and tossing and toiling, um, it doesn't please you because it's not a faith, and therefore it's sin. I need to stop it, and I need to stop. I need to pray. I need to cast it down at your feet, and I need to lay down and go to sleep. Um, I need my rest. We all need rest. Amen. And we need to rest mentally and emotionally. We need to rest in the Lord. And hey, 
we got to get some sleep, amen? And, uh, and that's part of it. God made us that way. Um, and so being careful for nothing is not a request from God. It's a command. We bring requests. He gives the orders. Amen? We bring the requests, and he gives the orders. And one of the orders he gives us here is that we make our requests known unto him. And another order is that we not fret and become overtaxed by care. Uh, Matthew 6, 30, uh, 33 and 34 says it like this, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for, for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Taking thought for tomorrow is not saying that we aren't ever to give thought to our future and what our duties may be. That's obviously um, not the case. We're, we're to be thoughtful. As a matter of fact, study the word prudence in the Bible out. That's what prudence is. It's understanding that the decisions I make today affect tomorrow. And so I want to have a good result tomorrow, so I'm going to be diligent today. Amen? Um, and I'm going to put up the blocks and the blinds and all the things and, and hedges and, and standards and things that i got to have in my life to protect my tomorrow. So that's, that, that, you know, that's a reality that we all realize and understand. But taking thought means that we are allowing our Ourselves to overworry in fear, and therefore having anxiety, uh, perhaps you could say, about tomorrow. And, and you know, the reality of it is, it says in our text, take no thought for tomorrow. The tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You know, and here's the reality of it I shouldn't overworry about tomorrow. And, and one of the biggest reasons, number one, is because, as we're saying, it's sinful. It's sinful to be over in, in anxiety, and we understand that. Uh, but number two, it's going to take my attention off of what it is that God needs my attention to be on today. So now I'm sinning twice. I'm sinning in fear, and I'm sinning in not fulfilling God's will. Right? It's a snowball effect, isn't it? Because now I'm, now I'm being crippled. So if, so if the devil can get us worried, if the devil can get us, you know, in, in a position to where we're no longer seeking God by faith, and we're no longer trusting him, and in a position of of, of seeking to please him and to fulfill him, to have him, then now not only does he have our hearts in a way that God says is sinful, but he's simultaneously now taking us out of the race. And he's limiting us from our ability to therefore then fulfill. You know, I wonder how many times I've been so worked up and so worried about what it is I thought was so important that I missed the soul I was supposed to tell about Jesus. I wonder how many times I've been so worked up and so consumed by my own drive, drives and my own um, you know, goals and stuff like that that I didn't help the person that God brought my way. So it, it, it goes so beyond even just the, 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 the condition of the heart, but yet at the same time, it destroys us from fulfilling the duties and what it is God has for us. And the Bible tells us here very clearly in Matthew 6, that tomorrow when you get there, you're going to have to think your way through tomorrow. But don't overlook the importance of doing that today. Um, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. In other words, you have your hands full with today. You have your hands full with today. Don't worry. You know, we understand there's things that we've got to prepare for tomorrow. And we can be concerned and say, okay, I want to be careful because I can see these bad things happening tomorrow. But the other reality of it is, is the devil didn't take today off. We realize that, right? The devil ain't taking today off. The world didn't stop moving today. The responsibility of my life today hasn't ceased. And if I'm not careful, I could succumb to the trials today. And if I'm not careful, I can make a mess right now. 
And so therefore I must be sober and vigilant, circumspect and wise right now. Because if I'm not, then it will hurt tomorrow. I could do things that could, that could ripple out through years of my life. So it is a command of God for our well-being, and therefore I need to realize that if I don't, it's not just dangerous, it's sinfulness. So let's move on. We've got to keep going. Number two, let's say this. Quit worrying about what you can't know about, not only because, number one, it's a command not to worry, and therefore it's sin. But now this next one's pretty deep, so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to say it here, and I'm going to have to try to explain it maybe for a few minutes. But number two, quit worrying about what you can't know about. Number two, because you can't know about it. <laughs> deep, right? That, was, that got way down, and that was, that was some deep stuff right there. You can't know about it. <clears throat> that in and of itself should also be reason enough, amen? Hey, listen, we, we have to learn how to accept the fact that we're just simply aren't going to know it all. Now, there's a lot of people that think they know it all. There's a lot of people that think their opinion matters over everybody else's. By the way, when one person or two out of a group of a whole people is standing up in opposition or is standing up thinking that they have it all figured out and they're the only ones that know what it is, 99.99% of the time, if you'd have followed it, it would have turned out bad. God works by way of his people. God, we need people. God, it didn't take God long for when he created man to look at man and say, it's not good that he's alone. Hey, Jesus, we, we got to have Jesus over anything. We got to want Jesus over anything. But the reality of it is, is Jesus, in, in, in a sense, I want to be careful how I say this. It, he is saying it's, that's not enough. We need God's people. It's, we need to be together with each other. And by the way, when, when, when we say that, meaning when we as God's people are together seeking the, the will of the Spirit of God, and He is enough, but God didn't intend for us to go through this journey alone. Not in, not in your life. He intends for you to, uh, be, be, besides very rare situations, to have a spouse, to have a family, but to have a church family. And God expects people to pray through things, and they expect people to come to conclusions together. The, the, the Godhead isn't divided. Do we understand that? And, and God's will isn't multiple things for different people. He, he moves, I mean, it is in, in individual lives, you understand, but I'm, talk, I'm saying in a church or in a family, in an entity, in an institution that he's created, he guides and leads that. It's one body, we see that, right? And he wants to guide that and lead that. So that, those are things that we need to trust about him. I don't know why I got into all that. I wasn't planning on saying all that, um, but I did. Amen. Quit worrying about what you can't know about because, number two, as we said, you just can't know about it. Um, and we've got to be really, really careful not to. The Bible says we ought not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. Um, and, you know, um, it's so easy for us to think we got it all figured out. And if everybody would just shut up and listen and do what I said, it would all be better that way. Um, boy, we got to be so very careful with that. But God wants us to be humble before him and humble to each other and submissive one to another, um, forbearing one another. Because nobody's got it all figured out besides God. Amen? And we aren't going to know everything. Hey, listen, I just mentioned this, so I'm not going to stick with it very long here, but... We can't worry about what you can't know about because we can't know about it. Hey, we can't know about tomorrow. We've already looked at that, didn't we? We can't know about the tomorrow, um, but God does. And because he does, you see, I should trust him and I should look to him. Only God knows uh, what tomorrow is going to bring. And therefore, we ought to approach everything according to his will and have that thought and approach to our tomorrow. <clears throat> but the scriptural uh, reaction we should have 
to our ignorance. Now listen to this carefully. The scriptural reaction that we ought to have to our ignorance is not to fear, but to not fear. It's, the, it's that very reason. It's actually, now here's a liberating thought if you'll think about it. The fact that you don't know what's going on is actually the reason to rest and be, be calm. See, we use lack of knowledge and, 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 and information, so to speak, as the reason why we're going to stew and fret, and if I don't know how this is going to turn out and how this is going to be. And all, but the Bible actually teaches us the opposite. The fact that you are ignorant is the very reason why you should have calmness. Because it's when you come to that conclusion, you're going to simultaneously gonna come to the conclusion, that's why I need him. <laughs> right? I need him. And I have him. And that's a pretty calming thought, isn't it? He knows what he's doing. It's the very reason that I don't know that I should be confident because that means I can only look to him. And he does know. And that should produce a great confidence and a rest. Remember, let your moderation be known on all men. The Lord is at hand. Amen. So, hey, we can't know. We can't know about tomorrow. Hey, let me say this. We can't know about God's being. I, I like sitting there and, and, and trying to wrap my mind around the Trinity. Hey, they're three and one. I know that there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. These three are one, the Bible says. Um, Jesus was the earthly, fleshly incarnation of Jesus. He is the eternal uh, of God. He is the eternal Son. And then we have God the Father uh, who sits on his throne for all eternity. We have the Holy Spirit of God that comes and lives inside of us and unites us to him. Um, that we are resurrected through him. Um, I understand those sides. but I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand how you can have three in one. They're all the same. Um, you know. And, you know, it's, you know, the Bible says in Romans 11, verse 33 through 36, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Did you hear that? His ways are past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him? And it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. And there's so many people who spend all their time trying to figure out and understand God and the Trinity and his thoughts. Now listen, there's a practical reality to what we're teaching here tonight. That with our decisions in life and the direction that we need to go, how to deal with people, how to deal with circumstances, decisions in the church, decisions in the family and in the home, we need to trust God. But I'm going to say this too as well. You know, I know, I'm going to get into a couple of illustrations here in a moment, so I won't go too deep in this right now. But I know of people that have searched so deeply into the scriptures and have spent so much time trying to understand these things that it actually ends up hindering their growth. God's trying to tell us, be, stand in awe of me, but you're not really going to understand it. You're not going to understand me. You're not going to understand all the things that I do. You're, you know, he has infinite ability to, to think and to compute and to process. He is in a timeless realm. He's not bound by our time. He has infinite time so to speak, an infinite amount of time with infinite thoughts and infinite wisdom to discern every second of our life. <clears throat> and yet, we will sit there and let these things mess with our minds. Or mess, And I know people that ended up going away from God because they couldn't accept the things that they can't know. 
Because the more and more that we try to reason it, it actually can produce a doubt. You ever notice that? The more we reason, the more we doubt. The more we doubt, the farther we get from God. And there comes a point where people wake up one day and say, you know what, do I really even believe any of this? <clears throat> hey, you know what, if God said it, it's truth. I don't have to understand all the details of it. I'm not going to know everything about his beings. I have so much more. Hey, I ain't going to know everything about the Bible. <laughs> I can know a lot about the Bible, but you realize that there's things that the God Bible breaks down the scriptures for us in three different groups. There's the church, there's the Jew, the Gentiles, and the church, amen? And, you know, there's things written in the Bible. That's why we're supposed to be able to rightly divide the word of truth. There's things that are going to go on in the, in the tribulation and in the millennium that God ain't revealed to us. Hey, by the way, you remember in the, in the, in the tribulation uh, when the two witnesses are slain in the streets, the Bible says that the whole world's going to be watching. And they're going to rejoice, right? Because the two witnesses that have been hurting everybody and have been, a, you know, against the cause, right? They're finally dead and the whole world's going to be watching it. Now, could you imagine reading the Bible 500 years ago and hearing that? How is the whole world? Well, they got, are they all in one place? How, how could the whole world be watching that? That's just something supernatural. God must have chose all the clouds to make them some type of a display screen or something. You know, people would just try to do the best they could. He would just put it in the skies and I guess they could watch it, right? Well, it's kind of like that, ain't it? There's all these signals going through the skies now. And now we hear and we say all the world's going to be watching it. It's like, yeah, what do we want to watch in the world right now live? Y'all want to watch something going on over on the other side of the world right now? Right? So time and revelation from God, not revelation in the sense of the scriptures, but the inspiration of God and the illuminating on the scriptures over time. See, there's a text. That means something completely different to us now, Brother Mike, than it would have to people even, even, even 50 years ago or 100 years ago. Right? It doesn't blow our minds at all to think that the whole world would be watching it. They can, they can pull it out right now and watch it. You guys, if we wanted to watch the Super Bowl right now, we could do it. If we wanted to watch, don't, don't. <laughs> no, but uh, we, we could pull up anything that we want on our phones right now and watch it all over the world. There are things like that all over the scriptures. There is just going to be stuff going on in the tribulation of the millennium that God hasn't revealed it yet. You see what I'm saying? He ain't showing it to me. Um, now, I believe that we are to study prophecy. I believe that we're to hunger after the scriptures. I believe that we're to uh, give ourselves <clears throat> um, the, the, the word of God as our meditation and to, and to ponder about it. And I don't mind a good deep Bible study. By the way, I'm not talking about diving deep into the principles of the scriptures. We're not talking about that. I'm just saying there's a lot of stuff that went on in the Bible times, in the Old Testament times, things that are going to go on after us, things that went on, you know, they're going to go on all throughout eternity. We just can't know it. We'll know it when we get there, then God will tell us. But the Bible says in Titus 3.9, but avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. 1 Timothy 1.4, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which, which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith, so do. Boy, there's a lot better use of our time, ain't there? Questions and strivings. and But I'll tell you what, and I've, I've pastored churches. I've been in evangelism. I've been an assistant pastor. I've been a deacon. I've, I've, I've served. I'm a young adults pastor now in a church, and I've um, you know, been around a, a little bit, you know, and I'm amazed at how many people get so fixated on, on one little factor or one little thing in the scriptures, but they ain't soul winning 
and therefore they ain't serving in the church. Therefore, they, they're, they're, they ignore their families or they don't minister their families like they should because they're so fixated on when this event took place in the Bible at this time. And they'll, they'll, I mean, they'll literally come to blows and literally come to arguments over things that really don't matter. I didn't say the Bible doesn't matter, but I'm saying how something took place in the Old Testament in genealogies. You see what the Bible's teaching here? <clears throat> hey, we, we ain't going to know everything about, about the Bible. We aren't going to understand everything in the Bible. And not only things that we can't know, but also things that are very deep and dark to discern. You know, I love to have deep talks about the Bible. And, and I'm not saying that it's not okay to have conversations about the deep truths of the Scriptures and study into the deep things of God. But we should be careful not to get things too complicated as well. There is simplicity in Christ. Sometimes there's questions and subjects in the Bible that create a million other questions. And when you get, when you get into them, and I'm not saying it's wrong to study. I'm saying it's wrong to be consumed and worry about them to the point of problems. I hope that's making sense to you all here tonight. Hey, listen. I love it that Jesus died for my sins. I love it that he was buried, and after three days and three nights, he rose again from the grave, and then he did a whole bunch of stuff while he was on the earth, and now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father forever making intercession for me, and I can pray, and he prays for me, and he gives me power, and he gives me strength. I, I am thankful for that. The Bible talks about the simplicity that's in Christ and that how the devil could corrupt our minds from the simplicity that's in Christ. I believe the gospel is very simple. I believe salvation is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, um, and, you know, by turning your eyes to heaven and saying, you're the only way and I'm trusting you to save me and forgive me right now of my sins, I believe that we're saved. But I'm going to tell you something, as basic and fundamental as the gospel of Jesus Christ is and, and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, I don't think I'll ever know uh, until perhaps heaven what truly happened on that day 2,000 years ago when Christ died for the sins of mankind. You ever thought about that? What really went on in the heavenlies? What went on between the Godhead? What really happened? Could you imagine the moment when he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And God had to turn his back on his own son, and it literally started to rip the universe in half. Think about that. Probably the most basic, simple thing in our minds is, is the gospel. Jesus died, was buried, and rose again, and believe on him to be saved. But yet, at the same time, it's one of the most mysterious, beautiful things. And the Bible says that he's going to blow our minds with it for the ages to come. So, you know, we, we just got to trust that God understands. Amen? There's so much more that I want to give, um, but we're not going to. Let me say this lastly, and we're done. Quit worrying about what you can't know about, because number three, it's dangerous. Not just because it's sin. It's dangerous personally. I'm going to tell you a story of somebody. I know of some, when I talk about this stuff, I know, uh, unfortunately, all too well specific people. I know of people who started struggling with, well, it, why does God let people be made and be created um, knowing that, you know, that people, they ain't going to hear the gospel, they're going to go to hell. Their lack of understanding regarding God and heaven and hell and judgment on sin. And why would God this and why that? And, and, and well, then he's not, and you know what? And I've actually heard those people over time. First, it just starts with the normal, normal question. Um, by the way, the overall catch-all answer to that is, is Romans 9, who art thou, O man? See, what's, what's God saying there? God's saying, you know, really, at the end of the day, I'm God, and I don't really actually have to explain it to you. Why did y'all sin? God's God. Let him be God. Um, 
But why does he still let people this and why does he let people? And, and I'm telling you something. There came a point where that person, after years of talking to him in counseling, and I'm, I'm begging this down a little bit so for time, making it vague. But eventually that person looked at me and says, the Bible's wrong. There is darkness in God. He's dark. He has evil thoughts. And this person claimed to have been saved, and, and, and he, he was very, very up and down. I've seen people on the, on the reality of hell. Listen, I, I preach on hell. I don't like to. It's my least favorite subject to get into. I, it, it blows my mind. It's so hard to wrap around the, just the concept in the first place of eternity. But let alone, just like we get to go walk on streets of gold with our Savior for all eternity, people will literally burn in hell for all eternity. You say, well, well, there's people that say, well, then why do you accept that? Why? Because God said. He didn't say I had to understand it all. And he, he says, you just you need to accept by faith that it's just. <clears throat> and you know, there's things and subjects like that over and over and over again um, in our lives that we're going to come across. Hey, by the way, it may not be on a subject of the law or something like hell, but it may be an event that happens in our lives. I just don't understand why God let this happen. Or I don't understand why, why God would like, think that that's the best way to go. Or I just don't understand why these people have to do this and why these people have to do that. And I just don't understand. I just don't understand. Well, congratulations. You just admitted it. You don't understand. So we, we're, now you see we're confronted with in that moment to realize and understand that if I continue down the I-thought process, it's dangerous. It'll destroy you personally. And hey, by the way, these things will, will destroy us collectively as a church, as a family. <clears throat> the Bible talks about how uh, these foolish questions and contentions and strivings about the law, they're unprofitable and vain. Um, you know, they minister questions um, and they create brokenness. There can be problems amongst believers within a church because we will separate and strive with each other over deep things or deep technicalities and things. That shouldn't happen. Listen, there's things that are most surely believed amongst the brethren, amen, and we won't go through them all. We believe in the Bible. We believe in the blood of Jesus, with the deity of Christ. We understand all of those things. But there are some things in the scriptures that it's not worth fighting over people. <laughs> we'll have churches. We'll have churches break in fellowship with each other over some technicality in the scriptures and people that get on stuff and they get they they start they get on them hobby horses and they beat them to death and then it make they make their whole ministry about that and their whole entire preaching and 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 29 out of 30 messages are about that um you know um and i'm not saying by the way that there's going to be times when when preachers are going to see a need in the church and they might get on a subject matter for a little time i'm talking about things that god didn't intend for us to break fellowship over people I don't want to come to blows or ever, you know, get into a physical fight with anybody, but there are things that I'll part with you on. Jesus is, is the Christ, amen? I believe the Bible, uh, amen? I believe, uh, you know, I believe in the church, amen? These are things that aren't questionable in my life, but, but there's a lot of things in the Bible that are great and things that God wants to apply to individual people. So I just don't want to get in fights about that stuff. You know, and I didn't say, you know, talk about or discuss them. I said there's separation and strife in them. And when things are coming to that point, we've got to stop. Hey, quit worrying about what you can't know about because it's dangerous. Let me finish with this. Quit worrying about what you can't know about and start worrying about what you can. Start worrying about what you can. Amen? Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We can only know what the Bible tells us. Anything beyond that is speculation and falsehood. 
The Bible tells us that God does know everything. Amen? So worry about that. Worry about that. People will say, and I've had people say to me before, well, I, I, I know I may not ever know, but that really bugs me, and, or I just can't accept that. Why? You know, the, the, the old thing is, is sometimes we can't handle the truth, right? You ever thought about the, how about this? You ever just wondered how many times God keeps information back from you because it's actually an act of mercy? Just think about it. It's just grace and mercy. Maybe there's information that if we knew it, if we're already wondering or having questions about it, God'd say, well, there's this side of it. We, we, the reality of it is, is we've got to trust that there's a part of this that's God's part, and our part is to obey him. That's why I need him. Amen? And so I'm going to leave it there tonight. I think that that's enough. There was a whole lot of other stuff that I, I, I went over and I didn't get into. But hey, worry about what you can know. Quit worrying about what you can't know about and worry about what you can. Hey, we need him. We know this Bible. There's a lot of thus saith the Lord's in this book, amen, right here. And uh, I got to be reminded, I always say this, I love the simple things of the Bible. I love the simple things of the scriptures because I got to be reminded of the simple things a lot. I got to be challenged on a daily, day-to-day basis about my Bible reading. Just getting in the book, amen? My prayer life. <clears throat> my remembrance of him. And so we need to be so very, very careful not to worry about figuring out the mysterious mind of the Lord. Then we get so caught up into that that we forget to get caught up in, 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 in obeying the revealed mind of the Lord for each and every one of us, amen? We have our hands plenty full with just that and what's been revealed to us. And sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You better have the Bible, you better have prayer, and you better walk with God. Amen. I'm going to hand it back over to you, Brother Mike, if you want to come on up here. Uh, you'll probably close it out in a word of prayer, won't you? So thank you very much, Brother Mike. And. Uh...